Our reading this morning is from John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The word of the Lord. ask God to bless us as we come to his word together. O oh Lord, as we considered in our Sunday school that passage in Psalm 119, open my eyes that I might behold wonderful things out of your law. Lord, we will not see those wonderful things. We, by nature, are blind to the beauty of Christ. But by your grace, even as you said, let there be light, the beginning of the world, so you have shown into our hearts that we might see the glory of Jesus. Oh, Lord, shine more and more fully. We ask for the Holy Spirit, as Paul prays for the Spirit, to work in our inner man that we might know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And be filled up to all the fullness of God. Oh Lord, work by your Holy Spirit. Else we will have nothing and can do nothing. But you are more than willing. You delight to do your people good. So we trust you and expect you to do just that. For your glory and honor. Amen. So the title of uh, today's uh, sermon asks... This question, are you a child of God? Obviously, that's the central theme of this text. As John, having contrast, he contrasts the fact that he came to the world and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. And yet, those that did receive him became nothing less than the children of God. And they were born of God. So we'll see these two things. You become a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ, which deals with verse 12. And then you come to, uh, you become a child of God through uh, the power of God by being born of God, which is verse 13. Before we get to those two things, I'd like to do a bit of introduction as to this idea of becoming a child of God, especially how John puts it. It's striking what he says in verse 12, that to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That word right is the regular word that you see again and again in Scripture that means authority. And so we need to tease that out. What does it mean that he gave us the authority to become children of God. Now, kids, you know what authority means. If you've done babysitting or you've had a babysitter, what, does your, what do your mom and dad say when you leave? You obey the babysitter, right? Unless she or he says, go rob a bank or something like that, but they usually don't. Um, 
And if you've been a babysitter, you know that when the parents leave, you have now authority over those children to do what you think the parent would have them do. So the parent has told you they go to bed at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock, then you have authority. And they say, I don't want to go to bed at 8 o'clock. Mommy doesn't make me go to bed at 8 o'clock. I bet she does. And you are going to bed at 8 o'clock. Because what? You have authority. It's been given to you in this space of time to fulfill what you know are the rules of the house and the kids are supposed to obey you or they're going to have to answer to their parents, right? You are the authority. So that may help to understand and say, what sense then does it mean we've been given the authority to become children of God? This word is used in scripture and in other ancient writings like the authority to raise taxes or the authority to raise an army. Or you think of Jesus giving the disciples authority to cast out demons. And so in that sense, it means, of a, it means a, an authority, a right, uh, a freedom to exercise this authority in a certain domain or certain jurisdiction. What is our domain? What is our jurisdiction? That we're going to exercise this authority. Another interesting place is in Psalm 136 that has that refrain, uh, the loving kindness of the Lord is everlasting from everlasting to everlasting. But in it, it says, you gave the sun to rule the day. Well, the word in the Greek translation is, you gave the sun authority. The same word here, to rule the day. So it's as though God says, sun, all shining in the daytime, it's yours. You do it. You've got the shining in the daytime. And then the next verse says, the uh, moon and the stars, uh, he are to rule the night. That means they have authority. Sun and I mean, moon and stars, you're the shiners at night. Sun, you're the shiner of the day. Take it. You've got authority. Okay? Well, in that sense, we've been given authority as the children of God. What does this mean? Jesus said he had authority to forgive sins on earth. He has authority uh, to execute judgment. Uh, he has authority to give eternal life to whomever the Father gives him. He has authority, he says at the end of Matthew, in heaven and earth, all authority is mine. And so we have some sense of what that means. You have authority to forgive sins. This is your realm. You do it. You're the one who handles forgiveness. It's been given to you. So here are at least a few things, and we can only tease out a few things that it means. First of all, it means that we have authority to enter the holy presence of God. We have authority. We have the right. We have the freedom to enter into the presence of God. In any kingdom of old, um, many of them, if you were even a high official, and you came into the king's presence unbeckoned, you might lose your head, right? You, you don't come without permission. Except who? Yeah, children. They just run in like you belong to him or something, you know, <laughs> like he loves you specially or something. 
Like you have his favor always or something. Yeah, that's right. You always have his favor. He gave his son for you so that you could run into his presence at all times because you have his favor. You're his children. You have authority. You have the right. You have the freedom as the children of God to come into his presence. We should tremble with awe at the thought that we come into the holy presence of God. Tremble with joy over it. Secondly, we have the authority and freedom, the right to live new lives under the kingship of Jesus. We have a freedom from sin. You people who believe in Christ have the authority to walk free of sin. He restores us to our dominion. And of course, the first place of dominion is dominion of ourselves. Dominion and control, authority to take back our life and give it now to God's grace and God's kingship. In fact, it's interesting in Acts 26, 18, where God, uh, Paul is recounting what God told him initially when God called Paul, Saul at the time, to preach the gospel. He says, you will be opening their eyes, that is the Gentiles, that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God. It's that word authority. From the authority of Satan to Walk in the authority of the children of God. So you're either under the authority of Satan or you've been given the authority to walk away from Satan. To walk away from sin. And to not be dominated by sin anymore. In Romans 6.14, it's not this word, but it's a related word where he says sin will not have dominion. It means literally it will not have, it will not exercise lordship over you. But it's the same thing. Sin will not be your authority anymore. Now, obviously it doesn't mean we never sin, but it means we can continually change because we are not under the authority of sin. We were. We are under the dominion, the absolute authority of Satan. And so there was nothing we did, though we did maybe acts of love and kindness. There was nothing we did out of love and glory to God. Because we didn't love God. We were bound to ourselves, bound uh, to live against God. But we've been released. Same thing in Colossians 1. He's delivered us from the domain, the authority of darkness, and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So there's this change of authority. And this new authority of being not under the dominion of darkness or Satan... But in the kingdom of Christ or in the light means now you have the authority under his power to walk a new life and not be bound by sin. And I think it's helpful. It's helpful to me, you know, say, okay, I've got the freedom from sin, but it helps me to understand, darn, you have the authority to take your life by his grace and only by his Holy Spirit and make changes in your life. And be a continually different person. It's going to be a slow process. It's going to be a difficult process. But I don't have to ever say, well, I've always been this way. 
Well, I just can't change. I, I, I don't have to be bound under the authority of even the way I've been for so long. So, be encouraged in your fight against sin. You have the right, the authority to live as children of God who have been, as Paul says in Colossians 3, created after the image of God. That's your new authority, your new freedom in this world. And Satan cannot stop you from doing this. Jesus says that the God of this world is judged in his death. And John says, not in this uh, gospel, but later in his letter toward the end of the Bible, Lord Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And there he's talking about sin in our life. He's come to eliminate uh, the devil's authority in your life, to destroy his work in your life. That's encouraging. And we count on it. We trust in it. We, 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 we count on God to work these things in our life by the Holy Spirit because he's died to accomplish these things. And we could explore the authority now to, to live out the love of God, which this would apply to. Even in the midst of suffering, to have this king-like, queen-like nobility to continue to give yourself away. Regardless of suffering, regardless of what anybody does to you. That's kingship. That's rule that we explored a bit in Sunday school. You, that can't be touched. That's the true authority to live your life for the glory of God, for the good of others, and nothing can stop you by God's grace. That's the new authority you have, the new right, the new freedom in Christ Jesus. As a child of God. And of course included in that. That you have authority over your circumstances. In that sense. To continue to do his will. Regardless of your circumstances. To continue to be. uh, For these things to be used. Not to tear you down. But to build you up. As a person. To be used for your good. So in that line, you see, as as he says, you've got the authority to be children of God. Related to that is Paul's grand statement at the end of 1 Corinthians 13 when he says, all things are yours. See, that's an authority statement. Everything belongs to you. Even your suffering in that sense belongs to you. You're not the victim of suffering. You're the king and queen growing more and more and giving yourself away more and more freely, even as you suffer. What are you bound by? What authority is over you except the authority of Jesus who is changing you to be like himself? So I thought it would be helpful for us to understand some of the treasure that is in Christ Jesus this authority to become the children of God before we actually talk about how you become a child of God through faith in Christ and through being born of God. So you become a child of God through faith in Christ. Now, in the original, don't you love to hear the person say, in the original Greek, um, but maybe helpful here to, if you read it in original, it would read like this. To all who did receive him, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believed in his name. So those two phrases are separated out. Now, it doesn't mean that they're not saying basically the same thing. But it does encourage us a bit, I think, to, to, to talk about 
what does each one of those bring to the table? Like, help me understand a bit of what it means to receive him. And then what does it mean to believe in his name? Which ultimately are, you know, saying the same thing, but taking the diamond and looking at it from a bit different perspective. Now, when we had just moved to Dallas from uh, Columbus, Mississippi, we had friends who were visiting us into the uh, house that we were just finishing putting stuff up in the house. They came pretty soon after we arrived. And one of the last things that I was doing was putting up some pictures in the bedroom they were going to spend the night in that night. It was a mother and her five kids. So it was a big, fun thing, and that was going to comfort us, you know, to have friends from our old church in in this new situation in the big city. Um, So we expected them, we were expecting in about 30, 45 minutes, but as I was working to put this picture up, suddenly they came in the door. And I thought, oh, I got to get this up right now. So being stupid like I am so many times, um, I was in my sock feet and the picture was going to be put, the painting over a chest of drawers. I, yes, I did this. I actually was getting on a chair and getting on the chest of drawers with my sock feet and disaster struck. I fell the 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 uh, picture broke the glass shattered a piece of it it went into my knee my dad said later be thankful it went sideways and not directly in but when it went sideways it did a great job of cutting my knee I knew immediately that I had to and here's our key word receive help <laughs> okay. I looked down and saw the tragedy that had become my knee, and I immediately shouted. I, I grabbed a towel. I shouted out to Kay. As they were coming in, the, just think of coming into the house. We got to go to the hospital. Man, it's bad here in Dallas. You know, <laughs> That was just terrible. Oh, so they, they walk in the house. We run out the door. Uh, Catherine, may have, no, she stayed with the, all the kids, our three and their five. And Kay drives me, and I'm just holding my knee. It's interesting, of course, I didn't sit there and think, I got this. You know, I can take care of it. If it needs sewing up, I'll sew it. You know, if it needs medicine, it, no, I was absolutely helpless. I had to receive help. I had to receive help. So we rushed to Baylor, and they do the... Uh, he sews it up. He tells me, look, I'm telling you, this probably isn't going to live. And you're probably going to have to have plastic surgery, which just meant I thought a skin graft. So I love this the humor of doctors. You know, they're just they're so funny. Um, <clears throat> no, I, I love doctors, of course. My dad was a doctor. But um, so we're in where he's going to do the plastic surgery. And, and we think he's because by then it had pulled apart like this wide on my knee. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You didn't come planning for that. But, um, and so the doctor's in there and he says, we're going to pull this together. And Kay and I said, wait, you're not going to have to do a skin graft. And Kay says, will it reach? 
And he says, he looks at her all serious, and he says, nah, we'll get it close. You know, <laughs> close! <laughs> it's like that uh, commercial, you know, <clears throat> not okay is not okay. Um, so we know what it is to be helpless and have to receive, right? You don't have something, and the only way to get it is to receive it from someone. And so I had to receive so much help in regard to my knee. I could do nothing for myself. That's the idea here. You know. To those who in their helplessness received all the medicine and nourishment and transformation and forgiveness that Christ would give them. Who saw their need of Christ. Who saw they could do nothing for themselves. And they received the Lord Jesus. You know what it is to receive a gift. And so in this sense, it's to receive all the good things, all the good that this Savior desires to bring you. To receive it and welcome it and submit to it. His forgiveness to receive this status of complete favor with God that he gives to anyone who comes and receives Christ. Can you imagine complete, permanent favor with God to come into his presence and be, and he's glad to see you and he pours himself out for you forever? Just receive this status of complete favor with God. It's yours in Christ. Here, receive it. Receive it. Receive his Holy Spirit. He gives freely to anyone who trusts him, who will indwell you and will begin to transform you in the deepest ways. As Jesus says in John 7, John says he was speaking of the Spirit when he said, from your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Come and receive this life-changing Holy Spirit who will cause goodness and richness to flow even from the darkest places in your life. You'll be transformed down where it counts, where your motives are, where this wad of, of confusion and, and darkness and deception that is my heart. He'll get right into that place and where you least expect it, flowers will spring forth in the concrete. How can that happen? Receive his Holy Spirit. Receive this new community of brothers and sisters that will be yours and commit themselves to be your brothers and sisters. And you know, what What would it be like if you were in this uh, disaster situation and not they weren't just handing out a few things, they were handing out everything. And you're standing there and you're in a sheet with a, a hole cut in it. That's all you have, Okay. And you come and they're giving away clothes that look good on you, that fit perfectly. They're giving pants and shirts and skirts and blouses and underclothes and socks and shoes and belts. They're giving full sets of the toiletries, soap and shampoo and conditioner and lotions and antiperspirant and contact lens solution and toothpaste and hair dryers and curlers and cosmetics. They're giving away furniture and appliances and tools, deed to a good house, lawn care equipment, etc., etc. Good jobs and all. They're giving it all away. You have to think something like that. To think of the rich treasure trove of graces. As Paul describes it in uh, Ephesians 1. All the heavenlies. All the gifts in the heavenly places are yours in Christ Jesus. 
All of them. All of them. And it's not a one-time thing. It's a lifetime of discovery of the good things that he has given you. Did you know they're giving away fruits and vegetables? Where? Do you know they're giving away steaks? Uh Uh-uh. They're giving away peanut butter. Tell me where. That's That's what the word is. It's just discovering, oh, this is mine in Christ. Oh, God promises this. Oh, look what he accomplished for the Israelites. Oh, this means he he will do something like this for me. Oh, look how he forgave Mephibosheth and gave him this position of favor when he was so associated with Saul. He'll do the same for me. You see? In one sense, that's all the word is. Is finding out more ways that God will help you and strengthen you and comfort you and encourage you and give you joy and hope and change your life. You'll be receiving for your whole life. And guess what? For all eternity, you'll be receiving. Isn't it one of the most stunning statements where Jesus says, okay, here's what's going to happen. You get up there and you sit at table and I serve you from now on. It's like, man, if the disciples thought it was weird for him to wash their feet in eternity, you know why? Because we have nothing with which to serve him. He's got all the resources. He's the one that's going to be supplying us. Eternally becomes my servant? Yeah, get used to it. Get used to it. Receive. Receive. And this ties in with this statement, trust in his name. Uh, Ryan just uh, read this, the first, uh, the second uh, question. Do you uh, receive and rest on Jesus Christ as he's offered in the gospel? Well, as he's offered in the gospel is related to this word name. Name means all that he is, all that he's done, all that he is doing, all that he will do. So to believe in his name is to be helpless but it's also to be confident and expectant, to trust in him. Trust in the full promise of everything he's done, everything he's accomplished for you and will accomplish. That's To believe in his name is to try to get your arms around everything that God is in Jesus Christ. And roll, I love what one Puritan writer said, roll yourself over onto Jesus Christ. Think of maybe a car rolling itself onto a ferry, you know, that can only take it across the river, something like that. Just put your full weight, roll yourself onto Jesus Christ. Trust in his name. Trust in everything that he is. And you see, it's the same kind of thing. The more you study the word, the more that name will expand and expand and expand. You just believe in more and more and more and trust it more and more. It's the same thing as receiving him. See, they're closely related. So that your whole life is spent studying and learning the name of God. All that God is, all especially as he is in Jesus Christ. And we could explore what this means in prayer as we pray everything in the name of Jesus Christ or in the name of God. But just, just to mention that, that as you pray... Be encouraged to embrace the full name, the full revelation of everything God is and everything is promised as you pray. 
it's a wonderful fuel for me in prayer. And finally, and we'll deal with this just briefly, but this verse 13 states, we were born, basically he means there was no human accomplishment, no choice of the flesh, perhaps the will of the flesh refers to a husband's desire seen as the key for uh, begetting children, but it may mean a more general thing. We're not exactly sure, but it's clear that he's saying there's nothing of human power or choice or accomplishment. Being born is being born completely, utterly of God. This is an anticipation of chapter 3 where Jesus says, uh, unless you're born from above, and I think that's the better translation, born from above, that is this birth of God, you can't see the kingdom of God, you can't enter in the kingdom of God. What's born of flesh is flesh, what's born of the spirit is spirit. So we have to be born by a miraculous act of God in his Holy Spirit. There's nothing you can cook up, <laughs> no formula you can follow, there's, there's nothing... But you see, this just encourages us further that I just have to receive new life from him. That's all I can do. I can't make it. I can't accomplish it. This is utterly in God's hands and not mine. I have to trust him and him alone. I can't make myself a new creature. It's like when Jeremiah says, can Ethiopian or a white person, you could say it either way. Can you change your skin color? No. Can a leopard change his spots? No. You can't change yourself either. I can't change myself. And so it is an act of God. As one commentator says, nothing human, however great or excellent, can bring about the birth of which he speaks. All human initiative is ruled out. So, as a father, and this is a strong word, to beget. As a father begets children, so God begets you. There's something so personal, and you might say even intimate in this. God's particular involvement to give each one of you new life. You, you in particular. And... Don't think that because it's in God's hands, uh-oh, uh, too bad. I wish there was something I could do about it, but now it's in God's hands. Who knows if it'll happen? No, 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 no. <laughs> There's no possibility if it's in your hands. But he is infinitely desirous to do it for you. He says later, Jesus says, if anyone comes to me, there's no one I will turn away now or ever who comes to me. Come, come. Come and receive this new life. Come and receive this new birth. Fall helplessly and say to him, Oh Lord, I can't give myself new life. Maybe you've always thought up to this point, you could do something to make it happen. But you can't. But that's the very atmosphere, the very soil for true helpless faith to be born. Helplessly to fall before a God who alone can give you new life. That's a wonderful place to be. Trust him. Receive in him. Receive him. God will give you new life. Let us pray. Oh Lord, 
We must have forgiveness. We must have favor with God. We must have eternal life. Lord, we must have resurrection for our broken down bodies that are getting sicker and older every day. We must have reconciliation of this whole world that's broken and suffering and so much evil one done to another. Lord, we need all that you have accomplished for us individually, for us as a community, that you would continue to create us into a community that loves one another and loves the lost world, that worships you in spirit and truth. Lord, we must have your full grace, the full expression of your name and salvation. Oh, Lord, give us all that we need from forgiveness to transformation to eternal life to new creation. We come to trust in your name. We come to receive all that you've accomplished in Christ. And we come with our deadness, our alienation, our being under the authority and dominion of darkness. And we come to you helpless. Set us free, O Lord. Release us. Give us new life. Give us, as only you can, the authority to be the children of God, to be born of God himself. Oh, Lord, do it for your glory. Amen.